anyone here even real? Am I the only real person on Earth? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. And welcome to Briefly, the podcast by Toucan Advertising, where we talk shop and strategy with business leaders, marketers, and creators about their marketing philosophies, stories, and challenges. I'm joined today by Peyton Terrio with uh, Edward Jones Investment Company. He's a financial planner here in New Orleans. Um, and today we're going to talk about you know what it means to have a personal brand, how to grow your business that way, and, and look at it from the financial planning aspect. Uh, but first, Peyton, if you wouldn't mind just yep. walking us through a little bit uh, what your story is and how you got here. Well, Luke, first, I appreciate you coming out and uh, allowing me the chance to talk a little bit. But I guess the best place to start is... You know, I could I could go into my upbringings, but really in high school. So, born and raised in, in Metairie, Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. I went to one of the big Catholic high schools. There's, there's a couple of them, but which school did you go to? I went to Archbishop Rummel. So, my dad's one of ten kids, and all all of uh, his brothers went there, and his cousins went there. So, uh, you know, we have a, a pretty good uh, a deep bench, deep <laughs> bench there. Um, but from there, um, first person in my immediate family go to college as you know my, my dad's a salesman my mom worked uh, as a secretary uh, for the water department actually she just retired but uh, first one really go to college and I went to LSU basically because that's where all my friends were going and, Same. <laughs> and uh, didn't look around at all didn't really know much about college other than what I've learned through at high school or from friends that I had previously been and uh, majored in accounting there because so like I said, my my parents didn't go to college, but I had a lot of uh, a lot of aunts and uncles that majored in accounting and are now CPAs. So just generally, or well, naturally, I was like, you know what, I'll be an accountant. And next thing you know, I did a few internships and I walked across stage and told my family I really didn't want to be in accounting anymore. And and it was just uh, the reason the reason for it was uh, you know nothing this nothing too far this way or that way. It was really just a feeling that I had of just exploring a different option, but still being in the business world. So something closely related to accounting, but at the same time, just a little different. And I found that in finance and financial planning. And the good thing about it is I, I had a good family friend who I worked under here at Edward Jones that my family shot me over just to talk to him uh, about the opportunity. And he was at Edward Jones. So next thing you know, I was doing six months of training in St. Louis uh, with our financial advisor career development program, it was uh, a great opportunity for me to learn the business before I got into the business. Yeah, and I've I've been out uh, in in my community building my business for close to two years now. So you've been with Edward Jones for two years? Uh, right around two years. Okay. Yeah, because six months or so was me studying to take my certifications, and then another six months was out in St. Louis, uh, doing the the career training program and. Uh, I guess I'd have to look probably 13, 14 months that I've been back from uh, home office, what we call it, being in St. Louis. So yeah. maybe right over two years. Very cool. So. Well, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I want to jump into, you know, as as you are a one-man show, essentially, you know, I, I not really know the nuances of how you all work together or if it's more of a, a completely one-man show and you're yeah. going different um, your offices here. Uh, but how do you approach um, like goal setting for yourself and you know, not only as this aspect of a larger company, but as your own personal um, brand and company within yourself, 
how do you approach kind of setting your goals for the year or um, that kind of thing? How do you project growth? Yep. So I'll talk about two things. The first one is kind of the makeup of our structure here at Edward Jones. And yeah. then I'll talk about goals a little bit. So basically, I think we have around 16,000 advisors. And even though I am building my business by myself, I got a lot of resources in regards to mentors or other advisors to bounce questions on. And then home office basically has a department for ever, any type of complex issue that I might not have as much uh, experiences on. I can rely on them on them for that and also have a branch office administrator who's uh, very important to my business and we work uh, you know every day uh, to keep it growing but when it goes to a goal uh, and how I come up with it really I think of five years out or ten years out and I say you know how do I envision not myself as an advisor but the type of clients that I'm servicing the type of value that they're getting through me and, and by partnering with us. But you got to think kind of big and you got to think years out. So I might say, you know, I want um, my book of business to look like this five years from now, or 10 years from now. How am I going to get it to this from a numbers perspective? You know, I'll break it down by each month. So I might say, look, I need to do this. Uh, and I won't dump it in the specifics and the details of it, but it's literally breaking it up by a number. If I'm going to get to my ultimate goal of 10 years from now, I have to bring in or have to attract or I have to go and find this many clients per week to get to that. Break it down to the tiniest steps. Tiniest steps. So uh, I guess it, it kind of it's tough to say because, you know, five, 10 years from now, I'm 24 years old, you know, I've never really looked that far in advance, but at the same time, uh, it felt like college went by like that. And, uh, even taking my test and going up to St. Louis that, that went by in a breeze and I'm already a year into building my business. So, yeah. uh, really, and the way that I gauge it is, you know, anybody can kind of have a goal to be successful. When it comes to your industry that you kind of professionalize in, the only way to really get a good grasp is to look at somebody that's been here for 10 years, that started with their 24, and go and talk to them and say, hey, uh, looking back, when you were 24, you know, where you're at now, is it where you wanted it to be? And if not, tell me more about it. If so, tell me more about it. And that's how I kind of formulated uh, how to set the best goal, because I want to be realistic, too. You know, anybody... But they, what they always say, uh, you know, if you shoot for the stars and you land on the moon, that's okay too. So, um, Absolutely. So I guess, you know, looking at breaking down what we do or what you do in the smallest steps, have you found any uh, like certain tactics or certain, not necessarily marketing related, but anything that you either learned from mentors who've passed it down to you or mistakes other people have made they didn't do, they wish you would have done? Are there any things that you... Um, in order to grow your business, those tiny steps that you take, those tactical um, activities you do on a daily basis in your world, have you found any that work great for your for you and get results? Yeah, so you know this question you can go in so many different places with, um, but I'm gonna kind of stay in in regards to joining organizations mm-hmm. and marketing yourself through different organizations. And what I've learned from advisors or different business owners, you know, mentors of mine. And obviously, number one is you got to be passionate about whatever you're involved in, because uh, that's why you join the organization. 
that's the key to everything that you do join is is to be actively involved because if you're just in there for business people are going to find that out really quickly smell it on you they can smell it on you and it's just kind of uncomfortable you know yeah if everybody's here for service opportunity and somebody's quote-unquote prospecting you it's just yeah. feels a little uncomfortable it's bad vibes bad vibes and and i've always been involved so going back to you know my involvement in high school and college i always wanted to be a part of different organizations so that was just a natural part of you know you know me uh being involved with a school or a community but specifically there's three different organizations that i'm trying to uh you know, find an organization that fits me. Mm-hmm. And one's a professional organization, one's a personal organization, and one's a civic as, as a, uh, organization. That's a great way to look at it. So if, if I'm going to put it in, in like on a detailed on paper, it's going to involve those three. For personal organizations, I kind of have a couple. So one being uh, different alumni bases, whether at uh, Archbishop Rommel or LSU, but uh, also, and we won the championship this past week, and I know you can see that plaque behind me. I coach an 11-12 football team for the parish, and that's just something, uh, coaching. Uh, I love the game of football, grew up playing it, uh, and I had great coaches growing up. So it's just a way for me to get my competitive spirit out. But yeah. at the same time, uh, you know, there's nothing better than getting a kid who's never played the game before and and. You know, at first they're pretty timid, but by the end of it, they're fearless in regards to, you know, buying into the team. And, and there's, there's something special about that you, you can't really put into words. So, That's awesome. And I do it with a few of my buddies, so the whole thing the whole thing involved with it is great. And when it comes to a business perspective, you know, you know, I don't go into it for that, but I'm just assuming that what somebody might think if, you know, if, if I'm coaching – a team well and it's organized and we're, and we're, we're having success, even though we might have the best talent, um, you know, and I don't have a kid involved. They might just be curious about what I do. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm not spending three hours a day for that reason, but naturally over time, people are going to reach out to me about what I do and how I can help them. And because they've trusted me and teaching their son, the game of football, it's, it's very easy to establish a, a professional relationship from that point because the most important thing which is uh you know connecting is already there yeah you've built that over time through it absolutely a non-business function non-business function and then there's a whole bunch of different professional and civic associations but it, it's up to each person to define what they're passionate about and go out there and find one that they can uh you know help out in yeah so i guess speaking of getting out there and meeting people, who are the people that you're targeting? Who your, Who's your ideal target audience? Where do you spend most of your time honing in on? Yep. So uh, it's like, who's my ideal client? Yeah. And that is a question that if, if you ask, and every firm's different. So just specific to my firm, if you ask a person at Edward Jones, uh, an advisor, who's the ideal client, that conversation's going to change every <laughs> year. Uh, but ultimately, it's somebody... As of right now, at my point, my business, and somebody who who values advice, because if somebody comes to me and you know they have all these different ideas, and for whatever reason they're not accepting what we do here, it's just not going to work out. There's no way. Or if if they come in here with a whole bunch of debt and they tell me to invest something, I'm saying, hey, you need to pay off your debt. Over time, that's not going to be a good situation. So. 
to paint to paint a broad brush, brush on it, it would be somebody who values advice. But specifically, um, what I found is when you're building a book of business, there's always a, a person that generates more business for you. So that's going to be somebody who people trust, who they look up to. It's somebody that they'll come to you because, oh, John, such and such told me to come and see you. You know, and what I found is that's usually somebody who, who quite frankly, is just a good guy that people trust and either a business owner or just somebody in the community, like a coach, that somebody says, coach, I need your help on this. So, you know, what would those people look like um, if I'm trying to go out there and specifically target a, a certain person? It's going to be somebody that you know, they're just success, successful in what they do. It doesn't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, CPA. It could be somebody who's, uh, you know, it runs a, uh, I guess, a, um, what's the right way to put it? Literally could run a gaming store, you know, just somebody, anything, yeah. anything anybody who's successful, anybody who, who values advice, and anybody who's willing to take the time to maybe put their family in a different position because working with a financial advisor may be brand new to them. There's some people that I have that worked with a financial advisor. They, you know, their grandpa worked with a financial advisor. You know, so they've known about this for a long time. But I, I guess to, to keep it simple, somebody values advice and somebody who's successful in what they do. I, it's interesting that you say that because I've I found in my business, and like I'm a new business owner. I've I've really only been at this for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to you in this situation. Uh, but finding people that value what you do, um, and not having that race to the bottom of people who are just at my last interview, I talked to uh, a guy who we were talking about the future of the marketing industry. Yeah. And one of the things that he was worried about, um, which kind of struck a chord with me was that what we do is being commoditized. So a lot of what we're doing is, you know, being done a lot cheaper, a lot quicker and decentralized on because of the internet, because of you know, companies on the internet that will do it for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, and so a lot of what I spend my time is trying to find that balance of, you know, I'm a new business. I can afford to take on new projects. I'm at a lower rate than the bigger agencies in town because I'm new and learning and I'm, yeah. I'm building my book of business, my portfolio. But it's hard to find people who truly value what you do um, and aren't just looking for a, a quick turnkey cookie cutter solution. Mm-hmm. So it's offering a service, a kind of higher price service and people are looking at it as an investment right. in their future and not just, Hey, somebody told me I need something. So, you know, yeah. in your case, it, I'm sure you run into it all the time of someone saying like, Oh, well I need somebody to just invest this money for me or I need somebody to, you know, right. show me what's up. And they just, they are more interested in their outcome based on their not current knowledge rather yeah. than looking for new knowledge. Oh, exactly. And it, two things that you said, I want to, talk about so kind of what you just said about just i want you to invest well if you come to be an invest but you got way too much money in the bank losing money to inflation but you're mad because we only got a certain amount of percent each year but you're losing two percent each year in the bank it doesn't really make sense Uh, but kind of where we're both at as business owners the cool part about everything you just described and, and finding the right clientele that values our advice uh, is it allows us to be aggressive kind of in our quote-unquote prospecting technique. So, you know, generally speaking, there's not too many older experienced financial advisors 
banging on doors, getting out there, trying to sell themselves. And I think that when you, the people that you, you might not find a lot of them, but you'll find one or two along the way is there'll be a, a successful person who'll say, I know what he's doing. I know everybody else might, might see it as this, but I see it because that used to be me. And you'll find one of those. And that could be the person that opens you up to a whole bunch of different opportunities. Yeah. So that's the cool part about where we're at is us being aggressive and, and trying to formulate our own clientele and, and what type of client do we like? You can weed out the bad ones. You can lead out the bad ones. And yeah. we're learning that. So. Yeah. Well, uh, getting back to our, our kind of marketing and sales yeah. pitching of ourselves as, as business leaders, if you had to distill your sales message, your sales pitch, um, almost like a mini elevator pitch, into one sentence, um, how would you sell yourself? Yep. So my firm would hate me <laughs> that I didn't have one down pat because – to be totally honest, it it depends on who you're talking to. Absolutely. So I, I, a new business owner, you know, I got to set something up for your employees, a way to, for you to give back, something like that. Or if it was mm-hmm. somebody, you know, in retirement, I'd say I'm a retirement income optimization specialist. I'm like, yeah. what the hell does that mean? And I'm <laughs> like, come in, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but It's a good hook. Yeah, it's a good hook. But that's what you need. You need people to remember you. And... Uh, if you just go in there with what everybody else is saying, uh, you kind of get sweeped under the rug. But if kind of to go back to what we talked about, if you're involved in these three different associations and they see you at two and you're involved, that's really all you have to say. Well, what do you do? Well, I help people that are about to retire. Oh, Peyton, need to come see you because I'm about to retire. Right. And or you I know already, somebody who is. Or I know somebody who is. And I'm, you've already connected with me in two different personal organizations. And that way it's just easy. Yeah. Um, somebody off the street. You know, you know, I'm a financial planner. These are five things we do. Help people prepare for retirement, live in retirement, pay for education, prepare for the unexpected, planning your planning your estate or inheritance. Which one are you most and least prepared for? Yeah. You know, and so that's one of those. Somebody's going to bite. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to bite. But yeah. uh, it's still something that um, a, an elevator speech. I try to just gear towards who the person I'm talking to. Because this isn't going to, what I just told you, there's five different things. Mm-hmm. What are you most or least prepared for? That's not going to work. you got to find a way to just yeah, assume, niche it, assume that, which is not usually good, but mm-hmm. based off their age, what yeah. might or generally they'll fall into. And yeah. if they come in, you'll be able to uncover all the different things that you can do for them. But you need to get them in the office. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that you're... Just because you can't get into one sentence doesn't mean you're doing this wrong. You're doing it more <laughs> right than most people. <laughs> like, right. I feel like the fact that you're being a lot more custom tailored to your audience, you have a sales pitch for each audience. That's phenomenal. That's more than I see with a lot of businesses. Is they yeah. just have one general one, and that's kind of what this question was asking. But you kind of just beat the question. <laughs> right. But but at the end of the day, like especially where we live and where it's such, it's like the smallest big city in the world. Yeah. I guess you could say where. You know, you can't go to the convenience store with seeing somebody that knows you or knows your parents or knows your family. So think sometimes what I think about in my mind is let's just say I have the perfect elevator speech, you know, but my competitor is somebody who just naturally is connected to that person. You know, yeah, you don't know until you get in front of that person if, if you can or, or won't be able to do business with. But in our where we live, it's such a, a it's such a relationship driven community 
that that's really the way that I look at it. If somebody comes to me and they want to be an advisor in New Orleans, Louisiana, and they want to organically grow from step one, it all comes down to this. Have you always been involved in a leader? Like, so, so in, in school, were you mm-hmm. involved in things? Because if you weren't, it, just naturally, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It could be taught, but those innate skills are valuable. Because they're pretty genuine. You got to yeah. like being involved. You got to like being with people. You got to like like some type of service work. You got to enjoy it. Um, and at the end of the day, I really think that financial planning comes down to this. People want you to lead lead them to a goal. And nine times out of ten, their financial goals in some way are on fire because that's just they didn't go to school for finance. Yeah. You know, so just like, you know, I could diagnose myself <laughs> like that. I could Google it and be like, oh, it really seems like Web this. WebMD. WebMD. <laughs> and I'll probably not be a doctor. Not a doctor. I'll probably <laughs> be freaking out if I just yeah. Google what, I, what I'm seeing. I have cancer. I have cancer. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if I if I have a serious concern, I'm going to go talk to a professional. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing in, in my industry. And going back to the doctor, I'm going to probably search out a doctor that I somehow know. Yeah. So I might know a nurse and say, hey, well, tell me a little bit about this doctor. Yeah. You know, and I really feel like that's how this industry works, especially in New Orleans. Hey, tell me a little bit about Peyton. Yeah. You know, before they come and talk to me. So that. People do their research through conversations. <laughs> for absolutely. Sure. Especially here. Yeah. You know. Well, speaking of communicating with people in public, um, what are some things that you've noticed in the financial industry? Um, you know, you talked about a couple of things. You talked about kind of being aggressive and picking your ideal client as you prospect. You talked about joining certain organizations and kind of that word of mouth um, and traditional like networking approach. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see, I guess, based on the financial, I mean, you're, you're new in this game, but I guess where the industry is going financially in terms of getting new um, clients. Do you see a certain trend in the finance industry um, for how people are communicating with financial planners? Mm. I guess in addition to the networking and the word of mouth, do you notice any marketing trends in that area? Uh, So I'll get the marketing trends, but just generally how the industry's been going. Mm -hmm. So we've been on nine years of a bull market, which basically means a good market. It's the longest one in history, in U.S. history. So if you're playing the, the numbers game, we're overdue for a little correction. It doesn't mean that it's going to tank, but we're overdue for a little correction. So I do think uh, how people feel, because everybody reacts on emotion. So for the last nine years, you've been feeling pretty good about how your 401k is doing and how your advisor has been picking his investments for you. You've been feeling good about that. But because they don't, Nine times out of ten, they don't understand how the investments work. Um, I could see just the way that people speak about it is going to be a little bit more hesitant and fearful than uh, previous years. Another thing, just from, a, I guess, a generational numbers perspective, I need to find the number that retire, people that retire every day, but it's a crazy number. But the, the biggest thing I want to talk about is the biggest transfer of wealth is about to happen the next 10, 15 years from the baby boomer generation to the next generation. So that's going to be a huge opportunity for me to uh, basically people that already have as clients over time. It's unfortunate to say, but people pass on. You might inherit this. 
you know, your boss might have retired and you step up and now you have more financial obligations, but also financial opportunities uh, that you're presented with. So to talk uh, about like the millennial generation are now going to potentially you're growing up with, you know, in this generation of people. And as you grow with them, those become your clients eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. That and what was the, uh, so a lot of times people think that the industry, just like yours with the radio, I mean, the internet and being a click away, you know, you might see the fidelities of the world and the vanguards, you know, on TV saying, oh, no expenses come to us. And there's nothing wrong with those companies are great. But at the same time, you're paying nothing because you're not getting any financial advice. You're just investing into a fund. So not a lot of people would say they see the financial industry going robo, but reality, there's no way that if if somebody has a issue that they're just going to go and do it on their own. Yeah. It just, the odds. It can't be fully commoditized. Yeah, the numbers will tell you the opposite, right? So, you know, I would just see it going in. Uh, it's just a lot of opportunity for me. Is what I'm saying. You got a lot of people retiring and a lot of people unfortunately passing away, which is now the baby boomer generation. You know, their children and their children's children are going to come into a pretty big inheritance where if they're not properly educated, hopefully. Uh, they, they go try to find education through yeah. a financial advisor or doing their own research so they'll know the proper steps and formulate. So that's, the that's where you come in, right? I mean, that's where I come I in. Talk a lot about um, thought leadership and what that means is basically being the, the knowledge hub in your network or your community mm-hmm. um, and basically giving away um, information for free, Yeah, providing value, especially I mean, if they talk about a traditional marketing sense, not, I mean, in almost any marketing case, uh, the whole concept of the jab, 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 right hook, yeah. where the jabs are what you're giving away right. for pe- for free, for people can understand that you, you know, they associate you with. Oh, he provides value. He's, he's an expert in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to think about the transfer of wealth and how you will be over time. You know, if you so if you start now communicating with people who are you know your age and slightly older than you. Um, who you know will need mm-hmm. to, you know your advice, your book of business will benefit, you know, a yeah. lot <laughs> in the long run. I feel like, right? And I run across that in my mind sometimes. You know, people give me a call, tell me what your company's saying on, on this stock or this stock, and like you said, it's always a jab, jab, giving away, you know, I guess information. But at the same time, the way that I feel is, as long as I'm always doing the right thing for somebody. They'll remember how you made them feel. So they're right by you. So, you know, I called Peyton and I had a question and I know that he probably charges, which I I don't, but I'm sure they think, you know, like if I call my friend who's a surgeon and I say, well, maybe not so much a surgeon, maybe just like a normal doctor. (laughs) How much surgery cost? Yeah, how much (laughs) surgery cost? But, you know, you know, I don't feel like coming to the doctor. What is something I can do to take care of it? I'm sure he could tell me. Yeah. But at the same time, if I needed to go to somebody, I'd go to him. That's right. that's how I feel about that giving quote unquote little, issue. Those little nuggets, just giving away just a little bit here and there, and it doesn't cost you much, but it could, you know, it's almost like you're getting in sales time with these people, and it's not even considered sales. You're doing business with them for free, right? <laughs> and they're more likely to refer somebody yeah. when they ask. So I don't think too much about it. And it usually depends on who it is. If it's a buddy of mine, I mean whatever dude yeah but uh somebody who uh i don't really associate with uh randos 
just kind of <laughs> depends, but more often than not, I want to do what's I'll, I'll talk about something that they're interested in, like Bitcoin or weed stocks, even though that uh, I don't we don't offer either of those and they're pretty risky. But I'll tell them what I know about it. And for the most part, you know, I just think that over time they'll know who to call when things get serious. Yeah, that's the exact right mentality, I feel like. Um, so I want to wrap it up with, um, yeah. you know, what's the the next, you know, kind of group of, of people who are in this industry? I mean, I know you're also very new and there's a lot that you said you've learned from people mm-hmm. um, who you've asked advice for. I guess I'll, I'll flip this question a little bit. And what are some of the things that you have learned from from those people? What are some th- advice you've gotten? You know, it'd be interesting to see in five years if you know. I'll do a follow up interview with you. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. See but where we're at. yeah, I'd love to know what you know. You, you said you talked to people who've done this, who yeah. have been that age, um, and have started this. What are some things they've they've taught you? Yeah. So um, some things that they taught me. It's been a lot. Uh, <laughs> So, I guess in regards to growing your business, like, you're right, and, and understand the question, and it really just all goes down to a process. And and I hate being the general guy who just talks about stuff generally speaking, because you know I always feel like you get those answers and you never really get the real answer. But if and this is something that I don't know who I stole this from, or if it was a professor who told me this, but I've just always remembered it. And in regards to owning and running a business, when you're competing, there's three things that you sell yourself on. It's the quality product or investment, quality service, or the best fee. And just from what I've learned is you can't do all three. It's just, it's not going to happen. You can't have the best this, best that, and best this in my industry. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't have competitive here or there, but... If you shop it around, you could find a better here, better there. So what I try to pride myself on is, you know, best service, of course, the quality of our investments and the quality of different functions that we provide as a financial planner. And when it comes to investment costs, well, it just depends on what you're trying to do. It could be a a very uh, cheap option. It could not. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what I've learned from other people is when it comes to those first thing, two things, sp- specifically the service, you have to have a process involved. So if I have four appointments a day, um, which the last few weeks it's been like that, but hopefully it slows down a little bit because <laughs> I need a little break. Just kidding. Yeah. It's a good problem to good have. Problem. But if you don't have a, the right process in place, you're going to find yourself spending way too much time uh Researching, putting out fires. <laughs> putting out fires, exactly. And what I've learned from those people is, you know, rely on them for the uh, pre-work, I guess. If you know somebody's coming in on this, you know, rely on the veterans for their experience in the pre-work. But after you've had the appointment, discuss this and that, you know, kind of reflect and next time you meet, put in your notes how – okay, my process for this type of issue is going to be this because I've had the experience to deal with it. So the main thing is finding a process that works for myself and my branch office administrator, working together to find the best way to implement it into our process. Mm -hmm. And once we have that, we'll see things start to grow in regards to generating new business or, you know, adding more value to people we already have because we'll have it 
down to such a efficiency standpoint where we could bring in four people a day and still be growing because we added value to each and every one of them. And the only reason why we've added value is because we've constantly tweaked and adjusted our process that we have per issue. I say issue, but per uh, just whatever they're coming to talk about, anywhere from college education savings to a tax-free investment. You know, the process for those two are totally different. And but you eliminate steps, you can consolidate in certain areas. Absolutely, and once you, and if you think of the most successful people, and I like talking about sports, um, <laughs> so hopefully people listen like sports. But everybody always talks about Bill Belichick, and everybody always talks about Nick Saban. And you just when you see them, they scream process. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is is because each and every year, uh, you know, they hold their people to a certain standard and. What that's done is internally, people just know that's what to expect from this, which is ultimately make makes them the best in the country because nobody else has a process that's been implemented for that long uh, or nobody else has a process that uh, I guess maybe I'll stop there because I don't know everything <laughs> about X's and O's. But when I see those two guys, I just see process. Yeah. And they got a down pat. And hopefully, maybe not in a football perspective, but from a financial planning perspective, I have the process down where when you come in, you know we're hitting this, this, and this. You know the next action item. You know what we need to uh, – you know the goal that we have and what I'm going to hold you accountable to. And You, you know, eliminate the guesswork. Eliminate – exactly. Yeah. So well, That's great. That's a great it's, thing it's, to end on. I think yeah. that's, that's basically – I think that allows for – it shows you're professional. Yeah. Um, it shows you know what you're talking about and there's not – you know, you want to find that balance between a custom solution to a problem and, you know, a, a cookie cutter solution to right. a problem. Um, so right. I think you it's that, that find t- that balance. But having stuff, a system set up shows that you're you're a legitimate, you know, resource for finance. You've seen this value. before. Yeah. Yeah. It's not your first time trying to figure it out. It's, it's, it's being able to show them that this worked in the past. I'm going to do the same for you. Mm. And because I did it in the past, I'm going to do it better. And it's... The system allows for that. And I forgot who it was who said it, but they just said to be successful, you got to just love the process. Yeah. That's it. And if the process is me going out, banging on doors, 9 a.m. on a Monday morning, that's the process. And yeah. I, I got to, you know, I'm sure there's some things that, uh, you know, people who, who play for Nick Saban like and dislike, but they all know it's, it ultimately sets them up for a position of success. Yeah. So, you know, I might yeah, not. Trust it. I might exactly <laughs> trust the process. <laughs> But uh, I, I would just say that the biggest thing I'm learned from them is learning through experiences and establishing what works for you, what doesn't, and just play to your strengths. Awesome. Well, thanks, Peyton. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah. uh, I think I butchered that uh, football comparison. No, I get it. I get I, it. I think that the main thing is just reflected on that. You know, you can provide quality in what you have. You can sell yourself. And if you're somebody who – who sells yourself on service, you can definitely do that. And then you can also offer a product or investment at little to no cost, depending on who it is. But at the end of the day, you got to focus on what your biggest strength is because there will always be somebody who can beat you in one of those areas. Right. So Double down on two. <laughs> double down on – you can get two. You can double down on two. Yeah. Um, but just make sure that – You're trying for all three. Well, I kind of think – What's it? You don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, there's another quote. You don't want to waste time arguing when you know you're right. Mm-hmm. And I just know that it's impossible 
for somebody starting their business. Maybe right. over time you can find a way, but for somebody starting their business, you got to play to your strengths. Yeah. And whatever your strengths are, there's only what you can recognize. Whatever they are, you need to double down on those. Absolutely. So, but awesome. uh, thank you for having me on, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any feedback on the podcast, or if you want to leave a comment on social, uh, you can always tweet us at Two Can Ads. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, Instagram as well. All right, thanks, guys.